Challenges in the murder trial for an Austin police officer. Why the trial is starting later than expected. And showers clearing out of the hill country. We'll talk about a drier weather pattern to come in First Warning Weather. Plus, two people who were part of the January 6th attacks are headed to federal prison. Just how long they'll spend behind bars. We start with breaking news tonight at 5 o'clock. A House committee just recommended articles of impeachment for Attorney General Ken Paxton. The House General Investigating Committee voted unanimously for this recommendation. The committee heard from lawyers yesterday laying out numerous allegations, including abuse of official capacity. Now, A.G. Paxton has denied any wrongdoing. Our KXAN Capital team is talking to those on the Hill right now. We're going to have much more coming up on KXAN News at 6, as well as on KXAN.com. And our top story tonight, trying to seat a jury for an Austin police officer's murder trial is proving to be more challenging than initially thought. The court has gone through every juror available, but still cannot find qualified ones. Officer Christopher Taylor is charged with murder in the 2020 deadly shooting of Mike Ramos. Taylor is currently on administrative leave with APD. Now, KXN's Brianna Hollis continued to follow this trial for us. And Brianna, this trial actually should have started yesterday. Right, that was the original plan to start yesterday. And then several people involved in the case said it would start this afternoon. But when I got here, the judge ultimately dismissed a narrowed down pool of 14 jurors. And before we get into where exactly we're at with jury selection, we want to take you back to the day of the shooting. Here's body camera video from that police response at a Southeast Austin apartment complex in 2020. Someone called 911 to report someone selling drugs in the parking lot. When they arrived, police told Ramos to get out of the car. Things escalated and an officer hit Ramos with a non-lethal beanbag round. The video shows Ramos then getting back into the car, shutting the door. When he tries to drive away, Taylor fired three gunshots, killing Ramos. Now, right now, the court has sat seven official jurors in this case. There are 14 additional jurors, as I mentioned, who qualify, but the state and defense each get a certain number of strikes from that group. There's currently some back and forth in the court regarding how many strikes each side has, but when it comes down to it, 14 just isn't a high enough number to select the remaining seven. For insight on this, we spoke with a former Travis County prosecutor about this week's jury selection timeline. What you're looking for, though, are, in fact, 12 people who are going to be fair. Uh, it could be that due to pretrial publicity, there are a number of people who've already heard about the case, who have already formed an opinion one way or another. Now, cameras aren't allowed inside during jury selection, but we observed attorneys asking jurors questions about their familiarity with the case, as well as their feelings, good or bad, about police and the district attorney's office. Other holdups stem from jurors' travel plans because the judge expects this trial to last three to four weeks. Of course, we'll continue to follow up on this and check back in when jury selection resumes on Tuesday. Britt, Daniel. Brianna, thank you. New today, multiple sources have confirmed to KXAN prosecutors presented evidence to a special grand jury related to three possible cases against Austin police officers and their roles in the 2020 racial injustice protests. Now, we did reach out to the Travis County District Attorney's Office about these cases. The office tells us it cannot confirm or provide a comment at this time. It will be three years on May 31st since these protests erupted on Austin streets. That date also marks the last day that some possible charges could be pursued against officers because of the statute of limitations outlined in the Texas Code of Criminal Procedures. And today marks three years since the murder of George Floyd. Now on this day in 2020, Officer Derek Chauvin knelt on Floyd's neck for more than nine minutes. 
A video of the encounter sparked protests across the country. The jury found Chauvin guilty of second-degree unintentional murder and second-degree manslaughter. He's now serving his 22-year prison sentence. Now, two other officers are also in prison, and a fourth is waiting to be sentenced. Lawmakers have since tried to pass legislation banning chokeholds, no-knock warrants, and other measures of police reform. The North Texas outlet mall where a gunman killed eight people at the beginning of the month will reopen next week. The Allen Mall will reopen on Wednesday the 31st at 10 in the morning with extra security. Mall management says they are planning to create a permanent memorial to honor all those victims. First warning weather with Chief Meteorologist David Yeomans. Well, average highs this time of the year about 90 degrees, but we had another cloudier and cooler than normal day. A batch of rain moved through the western hill country midday and early afternoon. Now just a few clouds slowly breaking up across the area. Didn't see any measurable rain from Austin eastward, but in the western hill country, a few lucky spots getting up to a tenth or a quarter of an inch. I'll tell you, in places like Mason County, we have had two to three times more rain just this month than we had in the previous four months before that combined 11 inches of rain in the western hill country in may current temperatures not bad at all upper 70s in fredericksburg 82 degrees right now in austin coming up in your forecast the drier weather that we have right now will extend for some period of time but the holiday weekend will bring rain chances returning we'll help you plan around them next in first warning weather all right, David, thank you very much. The founder of the far-right Oath Keepers has been sentenced to 18 years in federal prison. A jury convicted Stuart Rhodes of seditious conspiracy for his role in the January 6th attacks on the U.S. Capitol. This is the longest sentence for anyone convicted in the attack. Rhodes said in court today he believes the only crime he committed was opposing those who were, quote, destroying our country. Another Oath Keeper, Kelly Meggs, was also sentenced to 12 years in federal prison. That sentence for Meggs is the third longest handed down for a January 6th defendant. Well, another day with no agreement and the deadline for America's first ever default grows closer. Negotiators worked until the morning and Speaker McCarthy says work will be done until a deal is final. And now until then, lawmakers will head home for the Memorial Day holiday. NBC's Alice Barr has what's being done to try to solve this crisis. With pressure mounting one week before the U.S. could default on its loans, President Biden insisting negotiations are ongoing while acknowledging the hurdles that remain. Speaker McCarthy and I have a very different view of who should bear the burden of additional efforts to get our fiscal house in order. That after fireworks on the floor as House Democrats pile blame on Republicans, accusing them of forcing the nation to the edge of default. You've made a political calculation that you will be successful in 2024 if you crash the economy. House Republicans already passed a bill to raise the debt ceiling, but it comes with steep spending cuts. They're standing firm that the Biden administration must agree to spend less this year than last. We want to make sure we have an agreement that's worthy of the American public. But without a deal in hand, Americans could start suffering real consequences. The top credit rating agency Fitch Ratings now warning it could downgrade the U.S. credit rating if a deal can't be reached by the Treasury Department's June 1st deadline. Financial markets jittery as investors watch for fallout. All of these independent auditors, if you will, are worried that the United States, because of the Springsmanship, is not going to hold on to its reputation to pay its bills on time and in full. A credit downgrade would quickly trickle down to everyday Americans, bringing even 
even higher interest rates for bonds, mortgages, car loans, and credit cards. In Washington, Alice Barr, NBC News. We're learning more about just how many people are experiencing homelessness in Austin. Coming up, new findings and why it might not show the full scope of the problem. We now have an estimate of how many people are experiencing homelessness in Austin. Data from the very first point in time count since the pandemic was released today. Echo, the Ending Community Homelessness Coalition says the number of people has gone up. During this year's count, volunteers counted more than 2,300 people. Of those, nearly 1,300 sleep outside or in their vehicles, and more than 1,000 in shelters or transitional housing. Since the last count in 2020, people have become more spread out across the city as well, as the number of people living in city parks and outdoor spaces has gone up. As KXN has previously reported, the count is likely to be an undercount. That's according to ECHO's dashboard, which the group believes more accurately captures the current numbers. That dashboard shows more than 4,500 people are likely unsheltered on any given night. Well, coming up in just a few minutes, Chinatowns across the U.S. now listed as endangered places. Nightly News takes you to one community fighting to try to find solutions to underinvestment housing and safety threats. Hi, I'm Vicki Wynn in Seattle's Chinatown International District, where activists are working hard to give this often overlooked group a seat at the decision-making table when it comes to changes in their community. We'll have a lot more for you tonight on Nightly News with Lester Holt. Well, three out of four of your work days this week have brought cooler than normal high temperatures to Austin. Today, one of them, high temperatures only reaching 85 as opposed to the normal of 89. Your first warning forecast for the holiday weekend next. to follow breaking traffic news tonight. Traffic here grinding to a halt in North Austin, as you can see. Southbound Mopac has been shut down near Breaker Lane for almost two hours now. And you're looking at the results of that, of course, a long backup. Austin Travis County EMS tells us one person died in a motorcycle crash here on the road. It's not clear how this terrible accident happened or when the road will reopen, but you can see hundreds of drivers are affected. And they'll be late getting home if that's where they're going. Well, four years ago today, San Marcos police officers used a stun gun on a deaf man after they responded to a call for a possible physical disturbance. That incident then led to a lawsuit against the city of San Marcos and the officers involved. Now, for the first time tonight, we're showing body camera footage from that day. We obtained this from the man's attorney. KXAN's Sarah Alshe has the story you'll only see right here on KXAN. And they started to taser me over and over and over again. It's a moment that haunts John Kelly to this day. The scars that I have physically and emotionally make me want to avoid seeing the police. Through an American Sign Language interpreter, Kelly, who was deaf, remembered the day in May 2019 when San Marcos police officers tased him. Kelly says he and his wife got into an argument after leaving dinner with their children. He says someone saw them and called 911 for a possible physical disturbance. My wife and I were signing after she got out of the car very aggressively in our heated debate. He says he decided to walk away from the car and that's when police arrived. All right, sir, how's it going? Test your hands, please. Can you stop? I need you to stop. 
But Kelly says unable to hear them, he continued on. And that's when he was tased. You can see it right there in the video, like the moment that they realize, oh, oh my God, he's deaf, he's deaf, he's deaf. Kelly's attorney, Rebecca Weber, says two years later in 2021, they filed a federal lawsuit accusing the city of San Marcos and the three officers of violating Kelly's civil rights and the Americans with the Disabilities Act. So we allege in the lawsuit that the police used excessive force. He wasn't arrested or charged with anything. San Marcos Police Chief Stan Standridge says since then, all three officers completed a course on interacting with drivers who are deaf or hard of hearing. He says the department reviewed the incident when it happened and found the force not outside of policy, writing, quote, it should be noted that force was used before any knowledge of Mr. Kelly's deafness. Once officers learned he is deaf, all force stopped immediately. Still, Kelly says his family was left traumatized. And moving forward, he wants to see better communication between officers and the deaf community. Law enforcement understanding how to get an interpreter, how to use their technology to get a video interpreter if needed. There are options. Sarah Alshah, KXAN News. And the attorney Weber says a judge is currently deciding if the lawsuit will go to a jury trial. She expects a decision by July or August. We did reach out to the attorney for all three officers who still work at the department but have not yet heard back. Well, just last week, Weber says she settled with the city of San Marcos on a different stun gun lawsuit involving its officers. The lawsuit alleged that back in 2021, officers used a stun gun on someone with his arms raised during a traffic stop. Weber said the man had been compliant in the back seat when it was used, and he was awarded $125,000 in that settlement. Let's jump to weather now, and David joins us as we creep closer to the holiday weekend. Yay! And almost happy Memorial Day weekend. Almost happy Memorial Day. <laughs> almost there. This is the weekend really when we have a tradition of stormy weather, even dangerous weather sometimes. Uh -huh. This is not going to be one of those, which is wonderful as you make your plans for the next several days. We've got mostly cloudy or overcast skies in central Texas right now. This is just the byproduct of some rain that fell earlier in the hill country. Never got any in Austin, 82 degrees. Mold is medium after some on and off wet weather, but ash, grass, a couple other allergens you can always see on KXAN.com, all in the low category. So allergy sufferers breathing fairly easily tonight, hopefully. There's that complex of storms. We told you it would come late last night. It developed in eastern New Mexico, trekked all the way down to the hill country as it fell apart and weakened. Only some light showers this morning west of Austin. And now we are entering a drier weather pattern. This high pressure, which has been over New Mexico, allowing for these daily and nightly rounds of storms to come here. Now it's shifting eastward right on schedule. This is going to warm up temperatures and dry us out for the next several days. But at the end of Memorial Day weekend, I'm talking about on the Monday holiday itself, we will get some impacts from this low pressure system as some scattered rain returns. Temperatures this evening were in the 80s in most areas, falling gracefully into the 70s after dark and the 60s by morning. Friday morning looks pleasant to start your day with dry weather and fairly comfortable temperatures tomorrow afternoon. You know, this is still not bad for late May, but it will be a bit warmer than we have been most of the week. Middle upper 80s, a few spots edging close to 90 degrees. The three-day forecast for your holiday weekend looks overall pretty pleasant. This is the wettest and stormiest time of the year, so mostly sunny skies Saturday, partly cloudy with a slight chance of rain Sunday really isn't bad. As I mentioned, that next storm system from the west coast starts to approach on Monday, a 30% chance of some scattered late-day thunderstorms. Remember, when thunder roars, go indoors. we got to remember our lightning safety on a big lake and swimming pool holiday, but overall, we don't have any big risk of flash flooding nor severe weather, so not bad by Memorial Day standards.
Today, NOAA released their Atlantic hurricane forecast, and here it is. For a number of reasons, we are calling for a near-normal season. 12 to 17 named storms this hurricane season. Five to nine of those could become hurricanes. One to four storms, according to NOAA, could become major category three, four, or five storms. If this isn't enough for you, I've got a full in-depth weather outlook into the coming hurricane season and why this season may be unlike any we have ever seen before. Join us right here on KXAN News at 10 o'clock clock tonight. In the tropics, remember I showed you this yesterday, nothing in the Gulf, but we do have this one area of investigation off the southeast coast, still only a 10% chance of any tropical development as it drifts northward toward the Carolinas over the coming days. This will probably not be the first hurricane of the season. The season officially begins in one week. Tonight's forecast, 67 degrees under partly cloudy skies. Tomorrow, pretty pleasant, a very warm afternoon at 88, light winds and partly cloudy. Lots of sunshine to kick off the holiday weekend, but a few scattered storms Monday afternoon to end it. Next week, as we turn the page into June, a slight chance of rain continues each afternoon and evening. But look at this. First week of June outlooks on your 8 to 14 day projections show the continuation of largely cooler than normal and wetter than normal weather. Hopefully we can keep chipping away at those low lake levels. David, thank you so much. Coming up, the city of Hutto is becoming bigger and better. Why tech is causing people and businesses to move on in. The city of Hutto says interest has grown from businesses looking to move in. So what can locals expect to see as soon as a year from now? Well, KXAN's Mercedes Hernandez has more from city leaders who say everything from tech biz to new eateries could be announced soon. We lived here now for two years, going on three years. Cornelia Mamu says a lot has changed during her time in Hutto, like the expanding co-op district. Blue construction fencing shows even more is on the way. There's a lot more for us to do, and I, that's what I'm out here, just looking for things for the boys to get into. Our city managers just finished some negotiations with the developer of the co-op. and so Bob Farley is the city's economic development director. He says businesses are signing up to join this space. I would expect another three or four or five restaurant announcements over the next six to nine months. All brands that people will be familiar with. Farley says support industries for the Taylor Samsung plant have also reached out. It's a big change from how business used to be done in Hutto. You have to spend a lot of time explaining to them who you are and why it makes some sense to consider. Now everybody has that kind of in their mind. They're familiar enough that they want a dialogue with us. He says it will be a few more months before announcements can be made. Until then, folks like Mamu will keep watching to see what's next. Great, because every time we go to a restaurant, we're going outside of Hutto. So awesome that we'll be able to pick some new places around here. In Hutto. Mercedes Hernandez, KXAN News. And we're told Top Notch Hamburgers was the most recent restaurant to open up in Hutto's Co-op. It will have a grand opening tomorrow at 5 if you like burgers, alongside the city's Sunset Block Party Bash that starts at 6 o'clock. Well, coming up tonight on KXAN, it's The Wall at 7 o'clock, Law & Order SVU at 8 o'clock, and then Magnum PI at 9 o'clock before we're back with KXAN News at 10. You can always join us an hour earlier for KXAN News at 9 on the CW Austin, and here's where to find us. Thanks for listening to KXAN News Nightly. You can also listen to KXAN News Today every morning for more in-depth coverage of what matters most to you.